0: You're listening to Nostalgia, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. I'm Pat Sheehan, and the man who's about to hit the yay button, Dave Martinson. Hey, what's up? <laughs> easy, easy. So Dave, we released two podcasts last week, one on a lot of casting going on. And in Hollywood. The other was on Governor's Ball. So I wanted to check in. How was your Governor's Ball experience? My Governor's Ball was fantastic. Yep. I rode a really smooth express uh,
1: MTA train from New Hamburg to Harlem East 125th Street. And then I was planning to walk about 20 minutes to the bridge to walk to Randall's Island Park and mm-hmm. go to the festival for Sunday. And right as I got off the uh, train, Found out Gophers Ball was canceled. Canceled, man. Sunday was canceled. Yeah. Was due sun- to rain and uh, fear of late.
0: I was there for the first two days. Some awesome performances. Jamie XX was... Uh, blew my mind. My friend Jose was saying how he
1: thought Jamie XX was the best DJ set he ever saw
0: wow that's that's really high praise i I was pretty close for jamie xx he was awesome the strokes killed it i heard a little bit of the killers walking out we were drenched after mike Snow. we were basically in like a mud puddle because it downpoured during that hame burned it down i think they'll be headlining in like three years really so yeah do they have another album coming out it seems like it's time they they do and they played some new stuff and it was fire So I'm really excited for their new album. But yeah, Sunday, huge bummer, didn't get to see Kanye. He basically started a riot in New York City at at 2 a.m. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) But the bigger disappointment to me, so the special guest that they had on there, was Prophets of Rage. Now, do you know who Prophets of Rage is? I
1: heard they were a last-second ad, and I saw a Bomani Jones tweet that he was more into a Prophets of Rage Pop up show than a Kanye
0: show. Yes. So so Proph- I, just, I knew people were into them. So, Prophets of Rage is a super band composed of three of the members of Rage Against the Machine oh. and people, uh, members from Cypress Hill and Public Enemy.
1: Oh, that's really cool.
0: Yeah, and if I hadn't known that they were going to be coming on, I'd just been waiting by the stage, and Tom Morello came out and started burning down the Bacardi 10 right. stage, yeah. I probably would have just lost my mind at that point. I wow. might, have, might not have even gone to Kanye, because I might have gotten arrested. So it's probably a good thing that they canceled it, but mm. awesome booking. It's too bad that it had to be canceled for weather. Mm. It's an understandable decision, even though really disappointing one. And Sad uh, day. and I'm sorry that you didn't get to, to see King Hot 97 ball. Summer Jam, though. Kanye Kanye
1: just co-opted the Good Music set as, as, you know, the founder of Good Music would do.
0: But Chance Set got canceled. The one stage they had outside of that life,
1: they canceled that whole programming.
0: Kanye did release some new music on, I believe it was last Friday. Yes, he did. And it was called Champion, Round and Round. Yeah, it it was released as an untitled song. (laughs) Which is, is pretty crazy because I think that right now they're There was a Snapchat of Kanye and Big Sean listening to a bunch of finished tracks, or at Mm. least tracks that are in post production at this point, that are going to be on "Cruel Winter." Yeah, it's happening. So "Cruel Summer" the was 2013, twelve 2012. Wow, can't believe it's been four years. So 2012, "Cruel Winter" comes out. A good music. Compilation. That's the, that's where you know Mercy and Click Click and New Guy Flow. I don't, that's the shit I don't like.
1: All those songs are from <laughs> Cruel Summer.
0: It's a pretty good album. Yeah, I think there's a lot of hits on it. I think we talk about it a little bit in our podcast on the life of Pablo when we yeah. talk about our favorite Kanye album. Yeah. So go back and listen to that. SoundCloud.com/slash/NostalgiaPod. But Dave, what did you think of the Champion Round
1: and Round? You know I liked it immediately. Quavo from Migos just comes at you hard with those classic Migos flow that's mm-hmm. gotten so popular. And as you listen to the song, which has a bunch of features, a lot of non-good music guys like Quavo and Gucci Mane, who's recently freed. and Gotti. Again, and Yo Gotti from Tennessee. And 2 Chains, who's kind of in good music, but not actually signed. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Travis Scott on the hook. And Designer's in there a little bit. Panda, panda. And of course, Kanye, holding it down, one of the first verses. Yep. It's very clear that Kanye is really into Atlanta rap right now.
0: Yeah, (laughs) we know he
1: had Little Yachty and Migos in the studio before with that Instagram. Mm -hmm. And we talked about on previous episodes about how Kanye likes to go from trends within rap as his career has gone on. He's always Mm -hmm. looked at like what's hot and taken what he's liked from it and helped influence
0: it. And right now it's Dirty South. It's Atlanta rap.
1: And I like this song.
0: I think it's the band. Yeah, I thought it was a really good song. It gives me a lot of hope that this is going to be a good good music compilation. <laughs> I think when it passed over to Pusha T, and it's mm. the president of good music, it was mm. going to be interesting to see where it goes, but it seems Kanye's going to be pretty heavily involved still. Right. Which gives me a lot of hope that there also might be another possible solo Kanye album coming out this year. Graph 16 Graph 16 That would be an exciting thing. But there was another song that came out that I think it came out on what, June 3rd? So that'd also be Friday. It was part of a small EP, with that put? LP? From EP. Vic Mensa. There's yeah. a lot going on.
1: Debut EP from Vic Mensa since he signed the Rock Nation a few years ago. He really only has one solo mixtape mm-hmm. to his credit as well as his work with Kids These Days. But yeah, he was... One of the guys we talked about last week is going to play at Governor's Ball on Sunday, so I was bummed I didn't get to see him because I'd never seen him perform before. But this EP was a nice little surprise, and it was coming out before Governor's Ball, so you would have been able to see all these songs. But it's eight tracks long, and there's a video out for the title track. There's a lot going on. and It's really good. I really like the title track, and I think this EP shows a lot of the promise that Vic... Kind of went away from since he signed the Rock Nation. He, he became really generic for the past few years mm-hmm. as opposed to being really eclectic, similar to his Chicago brethren, Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. So this is a nice little pseudo return to form so it was a nice little treat and
0: definitely listen to that title track it's really good yeah and just an interesting note on it I think what you're talking about that move to a more conforming sound a a more generic sound he actually talks about probably the reasons why that that is in the song yeah which is pretty cool and and Kanye tweeted out how he thought it was a really cool music video so yeah, the, the more you know about
1: Vic Mensa the more you'll get out of that song but also the first two tracks on the EP Dynasty and 16 Shots are also really good so it's a, definitely a good listen. It's on Spotify. It's only thirty minutes. That Great. was that was a cool little treat as well as champions. So
0: yeah, okay. absolutely new, new music, good music, good music. All right, so Dave, we both saw X Men Apocalypse recently. Yeah, I think we had I saw it opening day. I think did you? I yeah. I definitely saw it opening day and saw it in California. Oh, interesting. Sundance Kabuki, a very famous
1: theater in our nation. How was that? It was really cool. This this movie theater had a full bar. Wow. So when did you get to drink? I didn't get anything. It was expensive. (laughs) The balcony level is 21 and up. The lower first floor is bleep seating, and you have an assigned seat. Really nice, comfy chair, like a little, like, coffee table-esque armrest area. Really nice atmosphere.
0: That that's like a comfort very few uh, previews high end movie
1: theater it was it was not It was like $14 evening show so it wasn't like that much more expensive plus it was in San Francisco so yeah solid experience
0: well how did that affect your opinion of X-Men Apocalypse <laughs> that's the real question <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I
1: know, that is the good question isn't it uh, yeah I mean I saw X-Men Apocalypse with a lot of like-minded people like myself that like superhero movies mm-hmm. and the general consensus I think with X-Men Apocalypse now that we're over two weeks almost three weeks removed from it coming out is that it's not a bad movie and it's just not a really good movie it's just kind of a movie Mm -hmm. and unfortunately watching it you couldn't help but notice that it feels and flows and shows things that a superhero movie used to do 10 years ago post you know marvel really bucking the trend and making you know all these great strides that have happened lately so it was it was really disappointing in that regard
0: what what would you point to that
1: you would say is from 10 years ago just a really cliche villain that's Mm -hmm. motivations were generic and unclear and oscar isaac who was playing Mm -hmm. apocalypse loses his humanity literally in the first scene where he becomes <laughs> Apocalypse. And he did decent voice work, but his acting didn't really get to shine through in all that makeup. And Olivia Munn's Psylocke really had nothing to do... No, nope. They didn't really do much with Angel and Jubilee, who they were hyping up in promo with her yellow jacket, big hoop earrings, you know, really 80s. They were talking about Big deal, and Lana Condor was giving interviews about the role and she had almost no speaking lines. Her name maybe is never three. mentioned. She was just kind of, like, in the car with Jean and Scott and right. Nightcrawler. That was kind of strange. Obviously, those got cut. Sucks for her. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna question what goes on the cutting room floor. Obviously, you know, you gotta make the movie flow, mm-hmm. but in general, maybe it's time Brian Singer moves on from the X-Men franchise because First Class and Days of Future Past were so great and so good and yeah, so funny. Days of Future Past was, met universal acclaim. Yeah. And we it almost took, like, movie. a... This Apocalypse almost seems like an interstitial film. Like, we're taking a step backwards, and nothing really of consequence happened except for establishing, assumingly, the new leads of the franchise mm-hmm. in Sophie Turner's Jean Grey, Cody Smith-McFee's Nightcrawler, Ty Sheridan's Cyclops, and then Alexander Ship's Storm. Mm-hmm. It seems like they're really focusing on that core group. Right. So that was good because I liked most of those actors and uh, what they did. Storm didn't have a whole lot to do, but I mean, in that regard, I'm okay with it. But the whole plot in the
0: movie is really whatever. Honestly. Yeah, I think your point about Oscar Isaac losing his humanity in the first five minutes of the movie is a, the first is a, scene. a really good one. Because you have a charismatic actor like Oscar Isaac who might be... He's really hot. Yeah, the, well, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Actually, he signed like this the, role before he was in Star Wars. So, But, but still, he's one of the hottest actors on the planet right now. Yeah. And you basically give him this role where he's not able to use any of his range. Yeah. He's just this all-seeing, all-knowing one I guess he just wants to destroy the Earth just because he thinks it's bad? His motives are really unclear, like you said. So Game of Thrones recently, so the n- not not this week's episode, but episode 6, Blood of My Blood. Yeah. Basically, people are saying it was a filler episode, and I think there was more to it than just being ah, a
1: filler episode. I don't know if Game but, of Thrones has filler.
0: But I think this is the closest you get to, like, a filler movie. It was, like, a means-to-an-end movie exactly. for the franchise. Like, and I think we exchanged some texts about how they're trying to set up the next like class, I guess, the like yeah. X-Men class. Because the franchise still makes money, it's still popular. Right. They they want to keep it going, but mm-hmm. unfortunately they have, you know, contracts right. that they have to move past. So they're building up Jean Grey, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, people like that. And Storm. Yeah, Storm. While people like Fassbender and McAvoy are probably going to take on lesser roles or maybe not even be in the movies. I mean, Hugh Jackman had a cameo, a very brief one. Which was spoiled by the last trailer, which is which idiotic in my
1: opinion because... There's no reason. The movie the movie didn't have a whole lot of buzz. It got a lukewarm reception to the first trailer. So I understand you want to try and bring people in because on the surface, it was going to be the first X-Men movie without Wolverine, not mm-hmm. counting Deadpool. But turns out he was in there, he had that one scene... And I just don't know why you want to spoil that. I feel like you'd get so much more out of it. And also the reveal about Quicksilver's parentage, which I'll, I'll leave it out there if you don't know, that was also in the trailer. I mean, I, as a comic book fan, I already knew about that, but the fact mm. that they were going to go through it in the movie and then spoil that in the trailer, and also the fact that they didn't actually pay off on that at the end of the movie. Quicksilver's like, actually, I'm not going to tell them. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> wait, was... why, why not? Uh, I don't know. I got time. I'm really quick, like,
0: that, that was really interesting creative choice. Um, <laughs> that That is a really nice way to say that makes no <laughs> effing sense. Why no, they I, it, just, it just doesn't pay off. Right. Why would you talk? Why would yeah. you handle it? But like you said before, Jennifer Lawrence,
1: Mystique, mm-hmm. Nicholas Holt, Beast, and then Michael Fassbender's Magneto, and James McAvoy's Xavier, those four signed three picture deals before first class. So they are not, no longer under contract for the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems very, very likely that Jennifer Lawrence is done. She seemed very bored in this movie. <laughs> she wasn't in the Blue Mystique makeup that often because she, she showed no didn't really emotion. like it. No emotion the entire movie from j Law. So in that regard, I think it's fine to move on. Mm-hmm. And you had to set up this new cast to carry the torch. So I understand that. So, you know, you, you kind of were playing the cards you were dealt. Michael Fassbender's kind of been the heart and soul of the first two movies. He's been a really good Magneto. And... He starts off very promising in the movie. That's not what happens with his family. He, and then as soon as he
0: becomes one of the horsemen with Apocalypse, he's just a... just bad guy. Just
1: yeah. a finger pointer. Do this.
0: Right. And, and the thing is, that, that like you said, that's such a promising storyline. Yeah. You know, his family is killed, but they don't give him any time to develop. Yeah. Uh, and it, it just seemed disjointed at parts. Like, it, it seemed as if they jumped from one one group to the next troop without any kind of warning or any kind of logic for right. it. I mean, it also
1: didn't feel very 1980s. No. You know, like, <laughs> a, some fashion choices cut a lot of the subplot, which Jubilee obviously didn't mm-hmm. really get much out of afterwards. But, like, X-Men First Class was very clearly in the 1960s because the end deals with the Cuban Missile out Crisis. <laughs> right. I love historical fiction. That was so cool. Yeah. Days of Future Past in the... 1970s sections, mm-hmm. they were doing stuff with the Vietnam War. And then what happened in the 1980s? Oh yeah, very briefly Gene and Scott and all of them, they saw Return of the Jedi. Right. <laughs> like, the settings made sense and felt, worked well in the, the first two movies and was very inconsequential now. And now the next one is going to be the 90s, so I don't know what... In... So you say,
0: or are we actually going to go there? The timeline also doesn't make any sense, but I don't even get hung up on that. I suppose that they, they had some very meta humor in there when they said the third one's always the worst. Right. Even though it's not... That's kind of a shot at X Men: The Last Stand right. from '06. Anything. Interestingly enough, I thought that Fassbender was good. I thought McAvoy was good. I think Sophie Turner won the movie for me, though. I really liked her. Uh, I mean, I
1: was, I was worried about her being, Sansa Stark again. Right. She, she was not Sansa Stark. She was she a perfect Jean Grey? Probably not. If you're a comic guy, you probably have some problems. But I liked I liked what what we saw so far. I liked the dynamic, they start to build up with her and Cyclops. It played by Ty... Ty Sheridan. Ty Sheridan. He'll be in Ready. Ready Player One, Steven Spielberg's adaptation, so he's a rising star. He was also in Mud, right? He's, yeah, he was yeah. when he was young. I think that was his first movie. And he was also in uh, Tree of Life, I think, with Brad Pitt, I want to say. Yeah, he's been around.
0: Uh, so I, Sophie Turner won the movie for me, but I think the scene that won the movie for me was when the school gets blown up. And Quicksilver. Quicksilver gets to run around. And the Quicksilver everybody. scene happened again, it was really good. Yeah, it was it was awesome and uh... There were a lot of fun things. I think one thing that Buddy Sean, has been a friend of the podcast, yeah. talked about is that they they tried to put in too many cheesy comic book lines or or just tropes in general that kind of landed flat. Like like I said, it felt like it was an older. Right. It was from the mid two thousand superhero movie. You know, perfect example at the end when they're all fighting apocalypse. Spoiler alert: Magneto does the big X in front of him to yeah. stop him from. I forgot who he was trying to kill at that point, but it was just. I don't remember either. <laughs> I, I, I was just like what. Like what? It it was. I don't know. It was disappointing. Uh, It had had some entertaining moments, you know. Absolutely. Like I said, it wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't great. You know, it it was. It was what it was. I think that X Men is a perfect example of another topic we really wanted to get into. So X Men's first weekend it made sixty five point seven million. Second weekend twenty two point three million. Yeah, not good. Sixty six percent drop off, and it's just a, a trend in Hollywood that that's been making the news a lot, has been sequels or trequels or whatever you want to call Sequel Sequelitis. Exactly. There's too many sequels and they're not doing well. Yeah, it happened again with Teenage Mutant Ninja
1: Turtles 2 Out of the Shadows. It won The weekend, but... 35 million. It was kind of far cry from what the original did. Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising, did not mm-hmm. do well at all a few weeks ago. Let's go back a few months. Huntsman's Winter's War, we talked about that. Zoolander, at all. my big fat Greek uh, wedding. Zool- yeah, Zoolander 2. Ride Along 2. Yep. London Has Fallen didn't do good. Allegiant, Divergent 3, because <laughs> that was a thing. Even last <laughs> fall, Maze Runner 2 didn't do well. But I think the most egregious and... Honestly, mind-blowing one of all is Alice Through the Looking Glass made twenty-six point nine million <laughs> on Memorial Day weekend, a very strong weekend for movies. That is seventy-seven percent worse than Alice in Wonderland back in twenty ten.
0: That's insane. Alice in
1: Wonderland was a billion-dollar movie. Alice Through the Looking Glass is a fat-out
0: bomb. It's the it's maybe the I mean, can you think of a, a movie in a series that has bombed worse? I can't think of one. No, that's an un, that's an
1: unprecedented drop. And I think all the sequels we just mentioned, the reasons they didn't do well, I think it really depends on a few factors. In the case of Alice in the Looking Glass, it's similar to my uh, Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 and Zoolander 2, where it's a movie that certainly could have had a sequel, but the sequel came way too long after Mm the fact. I mean, the original Alice in Wonderland was a billion-dollar movie partially because it was really the second big, real 3D movie post-Avatar right. And it, was never, it wasn't really well-received in the first place. No one thought it was a great movie or anything. But now we're six years away from that. 3D is done. Tim Burton's not even there. Johnny Depp had some unfortunate conflict with Amber Heard, so that was hanging over everything. So there was really nothing going for the movie, and it was very clear that it was not going to do well, but it was not going to do
0: this bad. When I look at this list, I mean... Alice in Wonderland or Alice with Looking Glass. I just don't like Alice in Wonderland. I didn't see the first one. I... It's it's weird. Yeah, it's I, okay. I'm not I'm not a big fan of it. But who who asked for some of these? Yeah, that, that's my other thing. Some of these are sequels that no one <laughs> yeah. asked. For. Who wants my <laughs> big fat, fat Greek wedding team? Yeah, I I, I I didn't
1: even like the first one either. Wow,
0: it was it was okay. I saw I, I saw it way wedding. after the fact. I okay. came out in 2003. Okay. I saw this in like 2013. <laughs> uh, t- I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They're riding a, a hot wave. I mean, I, I think people liked. The first, yeah. the first one, kids like the first one That's
1: my my thing about that one is like that's a movie where critic uh, critical reviews don't really factor into the sequel because no. it's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's not supposed to win it, an Academy it, Award. It's for Ninja Turtles fans and kids, and mm-hmm. in those two regards, it did fine. So it didn't make as much money as it could have. No, but right. that one I would I would kind of leave alone. It
0: was fine. Uh, no one, at least not not anyone I knew, wanted Huntsman Winter's War. No. Or divergent, I don't think those, those series. That and Mage Runner can go crawl in a hole in. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The, the young and we talked about that. Yeah, but. the young
1: adult bubble burst a while ago. We talked <laughs> about that. The last Hunger Games made less than uh, the first two, the, the second and third one. So that bubble's gone. If you want to check out our thoughts on that in depth, Sanclar nostalgia pod. Neighbors two though.
0: Yeah, that was that was comedy surprising. sequels are tough. They they are tough. It's it's also tough. I think for Neighbors two, the fact that. The direction that they went in, I, I think the the person who really made the first movie was Zach. Oh, ah, he was awesome. I mean, he was so good in that first movie. That, that first
1: one is is hilarious.
0: And that is a great comedy. I believe he has a he has a cameo in this one. I believe. Oh, right. No, no. He
1: no. Dave Franco has a cameo. Dave Zac Franco. is right. a star still. Right. Oh, okay. And they, they brought in Chloe Moretz for as a story leader, which I was like, that's that's a great cast. She's awesome.
0: But this. I think in a lot of respects has the same kind of problem that any of the hangover movies have yeah. is that it's the same formula every time but you yep. try to change the parts just a little bit but mm-hmm. it's a lot of the same jokes recycled and when when that happens, if if it's not like going to knock it out of the park, the, re- the reviews aren't great beforehand. You're only going to get a handful of people seeing yeah, it here. It's going to be a movie that people will certainly check in on at some point, but certainly yeah, not at the theater. I'll catch it on, on AMC. It, like it, on a it's Friday similar to Friday. last summer Ted Two yeah, performed as well. Exactly same exact boat. <clears throat> so with all these sequels flopping in two weeks, Finding Dory comes out. Yeah. Pixar. Pixar. Not, not their first sequel. They've been doing more or less good with their sequels. Yeah, and... and At least Toy Story. Toy Story's been great. They had Cars 2, which is pretty good. They're making a Cars 3 for some reason. And they're also making a Toy Story 4 and Incredibles 2, coming yeah. out in 2018. And Monsters University. Yeah. Which I actually really liked. Some so, people didn't. I thought that was funny. Do you think Finding Dory is going to fall the same fate as all these other sequels? No. Not well, a chance. It'll
1: buck the trend. It, it'll buck the trend for one main reason. And we haven't had a Zootopia or a Minions in a few months. It, it, it's, it, parents gotta take their their kids to the movie. If they didn't take them the Team in T two, they definitely take them to Finding Dory. And if they did take him the Team in T two, they're also taking them to Finding Dory. I think Finding Dory would do very well. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at tracking, but I'm sure it'll be it'll be just fine. Now that's a movie where because it's Pixar, its status as being a sequel that's very far away from the original. Doesn't factor in, in my opinion, because no. Pixar has shown that they can continue a franchise taking years
0: off. And, and Finding Nemo is just that popular. I mean, yeah. it, I think the thing is, Finding Nemo came out, I don't remember, 2009? No, no, no. Way 2003. Way 2003. 2003 wow. Up was 2009. Holy. Yeah, that, that, that's right. They're Finding Nemo is 13 years old. E- either way, I mean, it has people our age in their mid 20s who have the nostalgia or the nostalgia of when Finding Nemo came out. But it also has the appeal to younger kids who have probably seen the movie because either their parents or their aunts and uncles at this point have shown it to them and mm-hmm. they're like, Oh, I'd like to find Nemo. I want to go see Dory, find herself or whatever her and all marketing loss problems. All is. marketing has to
1: say is made from the makers of Inside Out. Yep, exactly. That's all it takes for these kids. Inside yeah. Out
0: the the Academy Award winning movie. That's it yes. Uh, which I, I just want to take a little credit for I called that on our on our Oscar pod. Inaugural episode. To. Yes. Exactly. Great, great episode great so.
1: pod. There are other sequels coming out this summer though. Now you see me too. <laughs> I don't. Think, I don't
0: have hoped, high hopes for that.
1: that. That's one I think will underperform. I did like the first one. It was good. The first one ended in a way that you could have went on a sequel or didn't need to.
0: So they didn't get Isla Fisher I back though, which is did, they didn't. I have not see I watch watch the, trailer. Trailer,
1: the the trailers. That one will probably underperform. But the oh, we have Ghostbusters. That's just flop. That'll probably flop just because it's got so much negative buzz already. Mm-hmm. Some of it not warranted. Then we have Independence Day Resurgence with the, the goat Jeff Goldblum. I think that'll go either way. I think that has a good chance as an action movie. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Beyond. I think that'll be okay. With Justin Lee. And I. Yeah, it comes out a good time in July. Jason Bourne.
0: That, AKA Bourne
1: 5. That'll do great. Or Bourne 4, technically. Yeah, I think that'll be good. And then also Conjuring 2 and the Third Purge movie. Hmm. Well, The Purge. I mean, it's just whatever it's going to yeah. be. I mean, Con- Conjuring. I feel like because there's not a lot of horror movies, the popular horror movie franchises usually drop like forty million dollar openings. <laughs> so I think Conjuring Two is kind of safe. Dare I say? Because like, I guess so. I people mean, talked about The Witch as being a really good horror movie. I hate horror movies, but like, I, you just they don't come out every month. It, you know they're
0: rare. It, is The Conjuring the one with uh, Patrick Wilson and the? Uh... I literally couldn't tell you. Okay. Well, pa- Patrick Wilson. I know the is... first one did well. Yeah. that's why it's a sequel. Uh, I think I might have seen the trailers for it. it if, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it looks okay. It also has the girl that plays the therapist in The Departed. If it's the one I'm thinking oh, of. Oh, yes. Uh, Vera Farmiga. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I, th- I think. I remember in the theater, I was like, yo, is that Maggie Gyllenhaal? <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't think I've seen her in anything except a Netflix movie that has the guy, who's the the guy that played the UK office? Ricky Gervais? Yeah, it, has, it had Ricky Gervais and Eric Bana. It's mm, like some Harry terrible. Anna, where have you been? I know it had a, it's a <laughs> terrible net Netflix movie, but it was also kind you, of fun to yeah, watch. Fu- funny enough, this kind of goes into my uh, my next
1: point about original movies. But Vera Farmiga was also in Source Code. I only know, remember this because I was looking at Wikipedia before. Source Code, directed by Duncan Jones, who is directing Warcraft which ah. this year, yeah. which is also gonna flop. I've thought the same thing, but Warcraft set the record in China for biggest non-weekend debut, made forty-six it's, million. It's China.
0: <laughs> but it can flop domestically and still make at least two hundred fifty. Right. So, right, which is good. So I guess it can't be a financial flop, but in terms of like a well received, well done movie, I right. don't think it's going sure, to. Sure, sure, sure. Apparently, the, the the orc VFX is really good. So I, I can see That's that. good to know.
1: I mean, I guess this kind of brings the question: Are we having too many sequels? Yes. Did Hollywood run out of ideas? Yes. You would really think so? Because yeah. I feel like people go with their sequels, whether they're like tentpole franchises or just sequels to successful movies. Uh, they know just, they can make money off it. Right, and the past 15 years really showed that you could overachieve with your sequels and make more money in the second movie than the first mm-hmm. movie. You know, like Marriott Pirates the Caribbean is a really good example right. of that. And before that, though, you would still make sequels, but it was generally understood that you would make a little less money, but it would still be worthwhile. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're at now. But Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping, from Andy Samberg and The Lonely Island, <laughs> and The Nice Guys, from uh-huh. Shane Black, starring Russell Crowe and... Right. Ryan Gosling, two original movies, just came out, getting great reviews, and they totally flopped the box office. Mm-hmm. So I think it also goes into people, uh, you know, the,
0: the market demand, with the market demands, right. you know? Well, I mean, I guess I think about it a lot in terms of going grocery shopping. So you're going down the aisle and you either see like the store brand like rich crackers or you see Rich crackers and you're like, "Well, I know Rich crackers. I've eaten these. Right. I know what I'm getting." You go you you buy a store brand, you're taking a risk. Well, and, I don't know if these movies are store brand. I think they're, they're more like, they're they're not, like Trader Joe's. Right, brand. exactly. <laughs> they they're, they're, they're like the new organic they there. You're aunt, afraid to be aunt burnt. To Annie's mac and cheese yeah. or whatever that is or aunt Annie's mac and cheese. Then you also have movies with like, the little bunnies. You also have movies like the lobster Yes. Concert. Which I hear was awesome. Right.
1: And that's a movie that's in limited release. It's not going to fully expand. Same like Midnight Run. Or Midnight Special. Yeah, Sorry. exactly. Midnight run. So um, me and you were very interested in Midnight Special, so yeah. we made sure we saw it in theaters, even though it had a small run. Mm-hmm. We got the lobsters in the same boat. So I don't
0: know. It's, they, it's interesting to think about. They're running out of ideas, but for a studio to throw millions of dollars, like hundreds of millions of dollars, in, into some of these movies... They want to know that they're going to be getting some kind of return, right? Because I mean, if you have a mo- movie like Alistair in Looking Glass*, which I don't know what the budget was, but I assume it was probably upwards of a hundred million at least. Yeah. They're losing a shit ton of money. on right? this. Yes. unfortunately, they can afford it because they also made Jungle Book. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, this this came from Disney, right? It, it did. Yeah. So Disney, aren't they all? Don't they also have a hand in uh, Marvel and Zootopia as well? So yes. They're, they're they're doing okay. Zootopia <laughs> is the second highest grossing
1: original film of all time. That's and, nuts. And the fourth animated movie to be a billion dollar movie. But like back to sequels. I mean, just within the past year, there's been huge, absolutely huge movies that are from established franchises. Obviously, we you know Star Wars, mm-hmm. Civil War, Nightmare Superman, Jurassic World, yeah. Furious 7, Minions, Mad Max Fury Road, and then you look at the Beauty and the Beast trailer with uh, right. Emma Watson. That's the most watched trailer of all time. That just came out. Maybe we don't make a Beauty and the Beast too, Right. But I, I think going from established properties and making adaptation isn't necessarily the problem. I think you just gotta pick your spots. Disney's got some choices to make, though, because... Maleficent 2 is in development. The first Maleficent did well. Mm-hmm. Jungle Book 2 is in development. Obviously, Jungle Book is an incredible hit. Uh, did made more money than Batman vs Superman in America. No, <laughs> no one saw that coming. They have Pirates of the Caribbean 5 coming out next year.
0: I have no interest in that, but...
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, well, but Pirates of the Caribbean 4
0: was a billion-dollar movie in 2011, so I don't know. I personally don't have any interest. I, I think your point is, is valid and, and right, that it's not necessarily the the fact that they're making sequels it's that the sequels that they choose to make are either ones that people don't want or that they're just not making them well exactly the buzz needs to be there critical reviews like you think about
1: like Hunger Games and The Hobbit those franchises kind of petered out towards Mm -hmm. the end they still made plenty of money but not as much as they initially were in the beginning and I think part of that's critical critical reception right because the buzz was really high in the beginning you know and those were established franchises that seemed like were going to be very successful and they still were so, I, I don't know. I think you just got to pick your spots. And Pitch Three. Perfect 3 was moved back from July 2017 to December 2017. Elizabeth Banks is no longer directing it. That's a movie that they're looking at what's happening. They saw what happened to the Neighbors 2, and they're like, wow. Pitch Perfect 2 did way better than Pitch Perfect 1. We got lucky. We
0: don't need Pitch Perfect 3. You don't. But unfortunately, it's being made. So, maybe not, but we'll see. We definitely will see. Speaking of a established film franchise, so there's been a lot of discussion around who's going to be the next James Bond. Yes. seven. Caveat, I can't remember if we talked about this on the pod or not, but I'm pretty hyped because... I don't
1: think... We might have briefly said something. We,
0: we, we definitely uh, have mentioned the person who is... Uh, the, has the second best odds, Tom Hiddleston. Yeah, if we did talk about this, let us know. Tweet at yeah. the show at nostalgic. Because so I'm not going to go back and find on out. On Twitter. Yeah, i on time. I think uh, it was. But if someone wants, if you guys all want to listen to every single pod we've ever done again, yeah. we won't hate you for it. You leave us a review on
1: iTunes; that'd be awesome. Let absolutely. us know how good it was.
0: Right now, the odds are that Aiden Turner is going to be the next James Bond, better than Tom Hiddleston, who is Loki from Thor. Right. So Aiden Turner is two to five right now. Tom Hiddleston is five to two. Also in, in the mix are Tom Hardy, who's fourteen to one, Damian Lewis, ten to one, Idris Elba, twenty to one. Henry Cavill, twenty-five to one; mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender, thirty-three to one; mm-hmm. and the God Tim <laughs> Roth at eighty to one. What about the Golden Boy? Oh, Eddie Redmayne. Uh, <laughs> let's see where he's at. Oh, he's at eighty to one as well. We'll put a dollar out down on him. Why not? Or a, a euro, I guess, because this is a, a European. So like a I'm dollar least. twenty, right? <laughs> who Who do you want to be the next James Bond? Ah. Uh, Eddie Redmayne. You want Eddie. No, I, mean, I just, you want the gold. Eddie line. Redmayne does not have the physicality. He
1: be, not. Be real. Maybe he could, but he hasn't shown that yet. <laughs> He'll bulk up. He'll those, do some steroids. Those gains. I think Idris would be really cool. He's British. A black Bond would be awesome. And at the end of the day, he has the acting chops. Mm-hmm. And I think Bond, more than anything, is actually Scottish, right? Yes. He's, that's more important about him than he's a white or a black guy. I think that's actually kind of vague in the story. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think Idris would be a really good actor. He's really charismatic, and he also can be really gruff when you need to be. Like, if you ever watch uh, Beast of No Nation,
0: mm-hmm. which is uh,
1: on Netflix, yeah, he's really good in that. But Aiden Turner, uh, he just brought up the odds to me before we started recording, and I did not know Aiden Turner by
0: name. But once you, once we did a quick Google search and yes. found out who Aiden Turner is, I am so down. Yeah, so Aiden Turner played Keely in the Hobbit films. Yes. He was an elf. Yeah. No, no, no. He was... He was one of the dwarves. Oh, one well, of the dwarves, Sorry, he, he hit him and his brother
1: Keely and Gilly. I think they were they're mm-hmm. badasses. But he's Keely is the guy who falls in love with Evangeline Lily's elf character. Uh, f- I forget her name, but uh, that's okay. Yeah, friend with f- friend Orlando Bloom, the girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was he was really funny, and he was also badass. And he's Irish or Scottish, I think Irish. One he's of those. A, I think he's Irish. And he's unknown, but he has shown some chops. I think that's cool. Now, now, like. Tom Hardy being Bond, I just I wouldn't see James
0: Bond. I would see Tom Hardy. Yeah, and and Tom Tom and that's nothing against Hardy. He's a fantastic actor. Tom Hardy, I think, is too much like Daniel Craig. He he does he does more more with less. He has the physicality. There's no doubt yeah, about that. No doubt. But you definitely want to move in a direction away from Daniel Craig's Bond. It was such a unique Bond compared to the other ones. He had two of the
1: best-received Bond movies ever in Casino Royale and Skyfall. Uh,
0: absolutely. So he had a great run. They're great movies. But I think the person that I would want to see out of everybody on here, Michael Fassbender. Yeah. I mean, he would, he would be, be such awesome. a good Bond. Steve, I,
1: he showed how good of an actor he is again in Steve Jobs. Yeah. and 12 Years a Slave. Like He's got so much range. Fiscality, it, it, we'll see the
0: fiscality again in Assassin's Creed. Yeah, absolutely. I, he he just seems like too perfect for the role almost. Does. I, I do like that Aiden Turner is relatively unknown. He's right. I think he's only been in a handful of films at this point. Yeah. So he I, I think he would be interesting. I definitely don't want Tom Hiddleston. No? So two two reasons. Just one still too uh too textbook. I feel like I feel like Tom Hiddleston plays the same kind of character in every single movie or television show he's in. He's always kinda of sly. He always seems a little sneaky. Trickster, perhaps. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I haven't seen the Night Manager. No, so this is just... when we talked about it. When we briefly yeah, talked that, about that the Night that Manager. Yeah, that was this was when it was. I, I was having deja vu talking about <laughs> this, but I can't imagine his role in that being completely different than any of his other roles, just because he plays the same guy. Also, I don't want Bond to be blonde again. Like, I, I, again, I want them to move away from Daniel Craig. If you're going to go with someone who's white, Echelby I think would be a great cast. <laughs> you're really moving but away. If you yeah, if you move to, if you go to someone that's white. I feel like it needs to be someone with like brown or dark hair or just some kind of variation from, significant variation from Daniel Craig. Man, that's good he point. was the first blonde Bond ever. Yeah, James Blonde. ever made a
1: huge <laughs> deal about it. And they saw Casino Royale and they're like, oh, well, sure. the movie was really good, but he didn't care what his martini was. He didn't ask it to be shaken, not stirred. <laughs> so he's not my Bond. <laughs> right? Because it was his first mission, guys. Did you watch the movie? Oh, that was that was a fun time when everyone pretended to hate Casino Royale. Mm-hmm. But it was so good. <laughs> so good. Also, that was when I was introduced to Mads Mikkelsen for the first time. Yeah. When he was Lashief and he was
0: hitting Daniel Craig in the nuts <laughs> with the end I've, of a rope. Oh my god. I've got an itch. Can you <laughs> scratch it for me? Anyways, just the last point and then we'll wrap up the pod. Someone that I think will be a, the perfect Bond in like, Ten years, and we, we talked about this off screen. John Boyega. Yeah. I mean, think think about the character he plays and Finn, Finn. <laughs> and then basically what James Bond is. He's so goddamn charismatic. Yeah. Uh, that... Yes. Yes. <laughs> the charm. Boyega can charm anyone. <laughs> I mean, if if you put him in a tuxedo and give him a martini, I I think that I would. Oh, I, I, I would turn into a five-year-old again. I follow him on Instagram. He looks damn good in a tuxedo. Oh, Let the me tell you. you. So uh, I would love that, but we'll, we'll see. They they said the the odds change just the, the, over the weekend for Aiden Turner, and they're saying that that the casting is going to be imminent. Right. So so obviously yeah. an, Find an, out an
1: insider. Let
0: something on. There's no way he would be the favorite unless there was some knowledge. Right. Well, they actually closed it, I think, either last week or two weeks ago. Because it seemed like it was Hiddleston. Yeah, because yeah, Hiddleston seemed to be like, There's some ambiguity best about Craig,
1: right? It. Like, some people say he has another movie. It could be a clause <laughs> in the contract. <laughs> hey, he's going back and forth a lot. I think if he wants to leave, they'll let him leave. Yeah. I mean, the reports of how much money they offer him, they were trying to pay him like Robert Downey Jr. He, he basically said he'd rather kill himself than do another James Bond movie. I mean, they, so. it's a lot of work, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't. And, like, He's been James Bond since 2006. This is 10 years of his life. He's Great. a fantastic actor. He's really accomplished already.
0: It's time to move on. There's no shame in that. Go play a villain in in Indiana Jones or something, Daniel Craig. We we don't we don't. <laughs> he kind of did, did that one. in the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider. Did he? Yep. Oh, then don't go do that. Go, <laughs> go do something completely different. He was Um, really good in defiance.
1: Him and and Lee Schreiber were Jew rebels in a French forest killing Nazis. It was badass.
0: I don't think I've seen this, but that sounds awesome. Yeah. So I definitely want to go see that. Anyways, we're going to wrap up now. So for the Nostalgia Pod, where can we find it, Dave? On Twitter? Yes. On Stitcher? On what? Google Play? you, You can follow
1: Nostalgia on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. Wherever you want it, it's there please, if you could be so kind, give us a review on iTunes. Yeah,
0: make it funny. Even if
1: you don't use iTunes, but you have an iPhone because you know, yeah. most of you do, just go in, give us a quick review. It would be really, really appreciated. It would be really nice. And if you you want to be funny, show us your wit. We'll read mm-hmm. the review on the air in the beginning of the episode so everyone will hear it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, if you really want something for doing a review, we'll, we'll, we'll sign pictures. We'll take Polaroids. I mean, yeah. I'll mean, i do your ad read. Like. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> if, if anyone that has ads, anyone wants to pay us for doing this, please send them our way. We'll, we'll do it for, like, five bucks at this point. Yeah, anyway, well, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll, we'll talk contract after. Anyways, you can find me at World Peace on Twitter, S-H-E-E-N-Y-W-R-L-D-P-E-A-C-E. Shout out, Meta World Peace. Dave Rick, where can they find yeah, you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, at
1: Martin Swagger. Also, if you like sports, I have a weekly sports podcast. Mercy Rule! SoundCloud.com slash Mercy and on iTunes and all the others as well. Let
0: me know if you're into that. And we'll see you next week.
1: And this year's been a long round, so I gotta go with Slodgy. The one nobody would vouch for. How's that shit for an outro?